Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mallow. Hey everyone, welcome back to a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora, and I'm here with Max Mallow. Hey, Max. What's up, What's Natalie? Nothing much. Hope you had a good and healthy and happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. It's Thanksgiving's over. I hope all of our listeners had a great Thanksgiving, uh, safe holiday. Hopefully, you know, not around too many crowds this year. Um, and now the year is is coming to an end. How wild is that? Yeah, it feels weird to be in December. Like. Thanksgiving didn't really feel like the end of November, but as soon as December 1st hit, I was like, oh, wow, there's only a few more weeks left of this crazy, crazy year, and I was so excited. I was like, just had a nice Thanksgiving dinner, was going to go home, was going to watch Freaky, and we're going to review it for the episode, but we got bamboozled. They pulled a fast one on us. Yeah. I know that I double-checked it a bunch of times for the podcast being like, okay, it's coming out, um, no, or what was it, November 30th? Yeah. Um, and no, I go to, you know, set up, all right, what time am I going to go watch it? And it's like December 4th. So, yeah, it's disappointing. It might be available on demand for Prime Video subscribers from what the advertisement now reads that could be incorrect but it would be nice i don't have to pay 15 10 bucks whatever it was going to be to actually rent it for 24 to 48 hours now i can watch it whenever i want on an amazon prime video but you know who knows it might still you might have to rent it for like 5.99 in standard definition or whatever the rates are these days for renting movies i've never done that before i've never rented a movie that hasn't appeared on demand yet for like streaming services so Unfortunately, we'll have to push back our review of Freaky till next week, but we'll make the commitment now, unless we get bamboozled <laughs> again, that next week's episode will be a review of Freaky, and I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited too. It's weird. It feels like it's been out for so long because it had a theatrical release, people went and saw it, and then, you know, the date got pushed back. So I feel like this movie has been out for a while and we just haven't been able to watch it. It's like, I can see it, but it's out of our grasp and it's really annoying me. <laughs> yeah, same. And people liked it. The reviews for it seemed pretty good. Uh, yeah. From what I've heard, the gore in it is like up there, but it's also like a comedy horror. It's not supposed to be just yeah. straight, like, scary pants off. There's some, you know, comedic tones with obviously Vince Vaughn, who has been in... So many famous comedy movies, Wedding Crashers, most probably notably, um, and Catherine Newton, who is starting to make a name for herself in horror, obviously was, yeah. I think people probably remember her the most from Paranormal Activity 4, which is one of the weaker entries in the franchise, but she's good in it regardless. So yeah, next week, Freaky, and before we reveal 
this week's episode topic now, unless you've already looked at the title, which is given the <laughs> spoiler away. Uh, quickly going into the news that Natalie has scoured the internet for, which actually has to do with Freaky, which is funny. Um, yeah. Happy Death Day star uh, Jessica Roth wants a crossover between Happy Death Day and Freaky. Now, obviously we haven't seen Freaky yet, but yeah. I love Happy Death Day. Those two movies are so much fun. Yeah, I agree. And they have the same director as Freaky. So I think she's like trying to pull a, I have the connections. Let's like make it happen. Um, that'd be so crazy. It would be a wild movie. Yeah, given we haven't seen Freaky, but it has the same tone as Happy Death Day from the previews, at least, you know, like a lot of gore, um, action and comedy. So I think a crossover between the two would be hilarious and fun. Like Happy Death Day is basically Groundhog Day. And then Freaky is basically Freaky Friday. So just put the two together and it will be a mess. And I love it. Yeah, same. For those who have seen both, I mean, the part two started messing with like the time space continuum and time yeah. travel, like in Avengers. And it was so funny. Um, wasn't like a direct rip off of Avengers, not like Avengers invented <laughs> time travel or anything like that. But, you know, the the movie's fun. She's really good in both movies. She yeah. carries it both times. And if that's like a, a way to, to get another one out there in the Happy Death Day universe and also cross over with another Blumhouse property that seems to be doing really well, I'm down. Sounds good to me. Um, but this next piece of news is super exciting for the actresses attached to it. Tony Collette and Anna Kendrick, one obviously people know from I'm Thinking of Ending Things and Hereditary and is just an all-star actor. And the other one in some alternate universe is my future wife. Uh, <laughs> Anna Kendrick, uh, Pitch Perfect, The Last Five Years, Love Life on HBO Max, highly recommend that rom-com series. Absolutely fantastic. They're going to be in a new Netflix movie called Stowaway, and it's sci-fi. And we don't know much else. <laughs> yeah, they have a few images that look good, but there's not a release date yet. So I'm excited to hear more about it and uh, watch the trailer and all that. I'm a fan of both of them. And, you know, it's on Netflix, so it's going to be easy to watch. Might as well watch it. Um, it's probably going to be, you know, decent, I'll say. Yeah, I wonder how much it'll dip into, like, horror sci-fi. Yeah. I think there was that movie I Am Mother. Yeah. That came out on Netflix a year or two ago. I wasn't a big fan of that movie. I didn't like it, yeah. It was kind of silly, just about like a robot taking care of a, a human and supposed to be in this post-apocalyptic world. Um, I'm thinking of anything with a smash. That movie is amazing. Charlie Kaufman, Tony Collette, Jesse Plemons. Uh, fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. It yeah. will It will confuse you. And that's that's all we want. Um, and totally. Netflix also did uh, Lost in Space, I believe. They also rebooted Lost in Space, which I didn't get a chance to check out. I didn't watch it. And then there's oh. the Cloverfield Paradox, right? I think that's like the most notable sci-fi releases from Netflix themselves. So I don't know these two <laughs> these two attached to a movie on Netflix. You know, I've got a Saturday free coming up probably. <laughs> I'll watch it. Yeah. I'm done. I agree. I agree. No matter what the genre, just seeing them two together, I, I'll throw it on. Might as well. Yeah. We'll see what happens. What's the harm in throwing it on? Just, you know, <laughs> either it's an hour and a half of your life wasted away or it ends up being an episode on the podcast in the future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the final piece of news, a Van Helsing reboot is coming 
from producer James Wan, who everyone will know from The Conjuring Universe, and director Julius Avery, who worked on Overlord. And if you guys haven't seen Overlord, Overlord, I recommend it's just a fun movie to sit down and watch. Um, World War II, kind of like for fans of like Call of Duty and like Nazi zombies, kind of along the same line of that. J.J. Abrams is attached to it, uh, also produced it, I believe. And it's just a fun take on, you know, on World War Two movies. But for a Van Helsing reboot, like... <laughs> Who wanted this? Yeah. Like, I don't need it, but I'm going to watch it probably. I remember watching Van Helsing, like, okay, so this movie's from 2004. And Hugh it has, like Yeah, Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale, just like... Oh my god, I thought it was so fun when I watched it. I'm pretty sure I watched it on Thanksgiving. 2004, I didn't watch it the day it came out, obviously, but if I watched it around 2004, I was um, in fourth grade, so I found this movie very entertaining. Um, Haven't seen it since, so might feel differently, but I mean, I'm down. Seems like a fun action movie to, you know, reboot. Not sure how high my hopes are, but we'll see who the cast is and go from there. Yeah, the hypeiest article talking about it mentions about uh, Universal's Dark Universe plans that they tried to do with mm. The Mummy, the Tom Cruise one, and that one kind of fell flat. Yeah. Uh, you know, The Mummy will always be Brendan Fraser for me. <laughs> so I was never, you know, Tom Cruise can stick to Mission Impossible because Mission Impossible is amazing and, you know, Tom Cruise, Scientology and all that. So, yeah, you know, a, a Van Helsing reboot, again, I think I agree <laughs> with you. Who, who knows? Like, there were, there were apparently also in the article, there were rumors in 2012 that Tom Cruise was going to be Van Helsing oh my God. with GDT directing it, Guillermo del Toro. And mm. I'd love to see del Toro and Tom Cruise create a movie because it'd probably be, <laughs> it'd probably be bonkers. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, The Mummy was kind of a, a dud. I'm sure some people like it, but I wasn't a fan. So we'll see what comes with Van Helsing because... He's a fun character, you know. Yeah. He he slays the monsters. <laughs> There's potential, but it could also go terribly wrong. Agreed. And it'll probably go terribly wrong. <laughs> but in today's topic for this episode, so Natalie and I had to brainstorm on the fly. And we're like, we don't know what to do. This <laughs> freaky is, is screwing us over. But we ended up coming up with a another kind of general synopsis recap episode on we didn't want to do a series in particular again because we've kind of done a bunch of that so far so we ended up picking one of our favorite authors one of our favorite you can kind of call them genres like a subgenre inside horror um, yeah i think so uh is stephen king probably the most famous horror author alive to date yeah yeah when i was doing just a little basic research i mean i'm a big stephen king fan but i wanted to you know cover all the bases i was like isn't he the most famous horror writer and then i was kind of googling it and i was like okay wait no that's alive today yes Yes. um there are plenty that have passed who are um you know much more legendary but stephen king will go down as one of the most legendary i think he is awesome so um You know, I think most people know him if you've read the books or even just know anything about him. He's from Maine. He incorporates that in most of his books, if not all. Um, And he's 73 years old today. 
Um, so most people also might have heard this story. I had to fact check it a few times just to make sure because it's one of those things that I feel like I've heard of it so many times. So then you go to look it up and it's like, false, that actually didn't happen. But with his first book published, that was Carrie, all the way back in 1973, he was just a teacher and, you know, uh, writing was a hobby for him. So that was his first book, and his wife actually is in part to thank for that book being published or even written because he had written a few pages of it and then threw it out, and his wife fished it out of the trash, read it, and was like, no, you're finishing this because this is insane. You know, the first few pages of the opening of the story, um, don't know how much of it is changed from what it was, but the opening of the story is crazy. So uh, she convinced him to finish it, and it was published, and it's still, you know, one of his most popular books, one of his most popular adaptations, um, and I love that book, love that movie. So thank you, Tabitha King, kickstarting the career and giving us so much content that we love so much. Yeah, I can't imagine a world without Carrie, because I love the original. Mm -hmm. Uh the the TV sequel, The Rage 2, Carrie, was also a movie I remember watching very young and being terrified of it because, like, when you're a kid and you watch all of Carrie and you finally get to the, the climactic scene at the prom, mm -hmm. that scared the crap out of me as me a kid. Me too. And Carrie is a great book. The The movie is awesome. I mean, we'll, we'll get more into his adaptations, but... Like you said, it really kicked off his career, and that led to numerous books. I mean, we'll name the books. They ended up becoming movies as well. Like, yeah. of course, It. We talked about it a couple episodes ago. Uh, chapter 1 and Chapter 2 are both streaming on HBO Max and Amazon Prime, I believe. Chapter 1, we highly recommend. Watch Chapter 2 as well. Also watch the miniseries from the, was it 80s now? 80s, 90s? With Tim Curry. I think it was the early 90s, yeah. yeah. With uh, Tim Curry playing Pennywise. Fantastic. Uh, I have the book behind <laughs> me on a shelf that it was a gift. I still haven't read it yet. I probably should. Um, <laughs> so good. My favorite Stephen King adaptation for a movie and a lot of people's favorite book, The Shining. Yeah. One of the greatest movies of all time. And I haven't read the book, but you've read the book. You can talk about the book. <laughs> I haven't read the book. Really? You oh, you read it. Mind? You read it. Yeah. I haven't read The Shining because when I watched the movie growing up, I was so obsessed with it. And then I always kept reading, you know, interviews and stories about how Stephen King didn't really like the movie and that the book was really different from the movie. So growing up, I was kind of like, eh, I'll save the book for another time, another time, and just never read it. I definitely want to, but it's interesting to go into it knowing that it's you know, supposedly very different and that Stephen King wasn't too thrilled about it when it first came out. Um, but the movie is amazing. That is my favorite horror movie, hands down. Just so good on so many levels. So, yeah, it, it's that's interesting that, you know, that adaptation um, had such a, such a strong reaction from him. Yeah, and I remember that movie. I haven't seen... I, I didn't see it until I was, like, 19 or 20 because... Mm -hmm. my best friend had been like you gotta watch this. this is the scariest movie you're gonna see this movie is terrifying it's gonna scare you and then but back then i wasn't into horror so i was like I'm, yeah i'm good and then i had a film class in college and the professor showed the the bathroom scene with mm -hmm. uh you know if we could plug a soundbite in just be here's johnny and i was <laughs> like oh okay i'm never gonna watch this movie but then i ended up watching it and before covid uh my girlfriend and i had the pleasure of seeing it in a movie theater which was awesome on the big screen. 
and I think it was her first time seeing it as well. And just to see it, like, I wish I was alive back then to see it, like, when yeah. it originally came out, because that would have been an awesome experience. And the documentary on it, uh, Room 238, mm. is fascinating to watch there's a sequel dr sleep which we haven't seen um but you know we'll talk about dr sleep a little bit later because there's still i mean there's still so many books to talk about there's misery there's the dark tower series which has a huge following yeah there's pet cemetery there's the stand there's just there's so many pieces of work in his like catalog that are just so impressive yeah, it's crazy. And it's like, he's one of those authors that like, he has so many books and short stories. And even like, the lesser known ones, every like has such a like, cult following and have adaptations as well. Um, he has the number one spot of living authors with the most film adaptations. And he's he's far in front of other people. So I'm looking at this little infographic. Um, it was published in 2017. But there's no way anyone has surpassed him. So he has 34 just film adaptations. There are also a ton of uh, TV TV movies and TV shows. So he has 34. And then behind him, Stephanie Meyer has six. Oh, uh, Twilight, Hornby, really? Yeah, Nick Hornby has seven. Okay. Ian McEwen has 10. Uh, J.K. Rowling, nine. John Grisham, nine. Clive Barker, eight. So, like, he has 34. Okay, Nicholas Sparks has 11. That's the closest to to him. So, huh. that's crazy. People love Nicholas Sparks movies. I know. What's that one with uh, Amanda Seyfried and oh. uh, Channing Tatum? Uh, Dear John. Yeah, Dear John. I think I've seen that one. And The Fault, Fault in Our Stars is also Nicholas Sparks. No, oh, that's no, I always John get, Green. Yeah, I always get those mixed up. I always get those mixed up. You haven't seen The Notebook? Oh, The Notebook is the Nicholas Sparks. Oh, yeah. yeah, of course I've seen The Notebook. Uh, okay. Or The Notebook. <laughs> um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Uh, but the interesting thing, too, about his adaptations for, for film and TV is that I feel like some people don't know some adaptations are based on his works because a lot of them yeah. are short stories. A lot of them are novellas. Like, I yeah. remember we had an office trivia, and, like, I tried to stump people by saying, like, Shawshank Redemption is not based on a novel called The Shawshank Redemption. It's based yeah. on a novella called Rita Hayworth and The Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like, on the other side of the coin, whenever studios pick up a Stephen King property, they go out of their way to tell people, like, hey, this is based on a work by Stephen King. Yeah. Everyone knows who Stephen King is. You should probably check out this movie. Like, one of my favorites, haven't read the short story at all, and it's a movie from way back when, is 2007's 1408 with John Cusack. That movie is just a fun, good time. I listed that as one of my guilty pleasures. Like, when it's on TV, I'm watching it. Like, I don't care the quality. It's just entertaining. Yeah, that and The Mist, too, is another one from the same year. The Mist is fun. The Mist has a super dark ending that just leaves you with this uneasy feeling where you're like, ugh, really? Like, that had to happen? Just watch those two movies, both in our guilty pleasures list, which I apparently I've jumped ahead in the script, not knowing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like you said, ranked number one overall for living authors with the most film adaptations. And we can get into them now because just talking about the ones that are at the top, like the seven we have listed here are Academy Award winning. They're critically acclaimed. 
they're some of the best movies in all of cinema history. And it's best to start off with the first one that was also his book and also his best adaptation. So Carrie, 1976, directed by Brian De Palma, who also did Scarface. (laughs) He also did the original Mission Impossible. He did Dress to Kill. Uh, the tale of Carrie obviously is a girl who has telekinetic powers, and her mother is crazy and tortures her, and she gets bullied at school, and it all comes to one big conclusion: at the school dance. And I, I don't know. Should I? I know. Is it a spoiler? I don't know. I don't think it's a spoiler. Just look at the cover, like. Right. You know, it, it all leads to some climactic thing where her powers get out of control, and a bunch of teens, they they don't make it out alive. Yeah. Yeah, I was terrified of this movie when I first saw it. I remember, I'm pretty sure I didn't rent it, but I played it on Fearnet on demand. Fearnet was my go-to growing up in like either elementary school or middle school with my cousin. And I just remember us watching it broad daylight and being like, oh my God, like Sissy Spacek, uh, who plays Carrie, is such a good actress. And she just has that creepy, creepy ass feel to her like she's good at playing a really you know troubled and creepy young woman she killed it and uh she got a nomination for academy award for best actress and then the woman who played her mom uh was piper laurie she also got a nomination and that they deserved it they deserved wins honestly like her mom is so terrifying she's you know this super super catholic um doesn't like let her daughter wear certain things, go hang out with anyone, you know. That's part of the reason why Carrie is so an outsider is because, you know, her mom treated her like one. Um, and she is terrifying. I think her mom is more terrifying than her because at least Carrie, you know, has some innocent intentions that just go wrong. But her mom is so scary. Her mom is terrifying. And <laughs> we could talk about the remake too after yeah. the break here in a couple seconds because I have some thoughts on Julianne Moore who ended up playing the mom in the remake. But yeah, totally agreed. And I feel like a lot of people can relate to like the beginning of Carrie being like seeing Sissy Spacek get, you know, bullied and, you know, have yeah. a rough home life. And then, you know, like I said, towards the climax of the movie, you're like, okay, well, I can't relate to that in particularly. I don't have telekinetic powers. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, So yeah, so on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back, guys. All right, everyone. And we're back. So the 2013 remake, what did you think of it? It starred uh, Chloe Grace Moretz as Carrie, and then it was directed by Kimberly Pierce, who actually directed the movie Boys Don't Cry, which is really, really good. Um, I thought that was way better of a movie than this one. But what were your thoughts on the remake? Yeah, the remake isn't that great. I know Chloe Grace Moretz was, uh, I think, for some, like a popular pick to play Carrie because she was on, uh, she was riding the high of, I believe Kick-Ass came out before that. Kick-Ass was a, yeah. the, the superhero movie with, um, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name, from uh, Aaron Johnson, Aaron Taylor yeah, Johnson. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that movie was fun. Nicolas Cage is in it. Whenever Nicolas Cage is in a movie, I'm watching it. And it just didn't it didn't have the same success. It wasn't, you know... Also, you have the, the problem of remaking such a classic movie and a classic yeah. Stephen King uh, book that, you know, the poster got me hyped for it. The 
it's her bloody face and says you will know her name and stuff like that oh, and, yeah. and julianne moore is great uh and i was hyped for her to play carrie's mother and it just completely fell apart uh it's too cgi heavy you know she, she her powers don't feel like i'm not that scared of her i think sissy spacek did a, a better job at portraying how tormented the character was throughout the beginning of the movie and then when it all comes crashing down at the end you're like okay like i'm scared i'm terrified this the remake didn't do it for me at all yeah i agree i thought it was all right you know like i was really hyped for it just because i love the the original so much um and i do really like chloe grace Moretz. she's a good actress so yeah she's she was a child actress she's been in movies her whole life she's really good but i think she was too well known for the part like I didn't think she was scary you know I had other roles associated with her which is no fault to her but to be honest I just don't think that she's creepy at all so maybe that's just a good thing for her in real life but if you're gonna play Carrie you gotta be at least a little weird um and I don't I don't think that it had the same effect um and I also really like Julianne Moore too but the first one, the original, was just so scary, and this one was more of like a drama. I feel like. Agreed. Also has Judy Greer in it, and like. Yeah. Judy Greer, <laughs> love Judy Greer, but. It. It's, I critics called it like unnecessary, and that's what I feel yeah. like it was. It was just unnecessary. There was already a TV movie that they did. There was the Rage Two, which is like. It has its spooky parts to it. It's not a god awful movie. And again, you don't really need to make a sequel to Carrie to begin with, <laughs> but when you own a property, you got to do what you got to do. So right. yeah, I feel like unnecessary is a good way to describe it. And yeah, go watch the original. I feel like that's what we say always on this show for some reason. I know. Just go watch the original. It's great. I know. Uh, yeah. So moving on though, we talked about it already. Probably both our favorite Stephen King adaptation. I think your favorite horror movie the shining yeah. uh directed by stanley kubrick which had jack nicholson play the the lead role of jack torrance shelly duvall as his wife and scatman crothers playing uh dick halloran and the whole premise of the movie is that jack torrance is going with his family to take care of the overlook hotel during his off season and this man this adaptation this movie as a whole like you said Stephen King wasn't a total fan of some of the things that he did with it because, you know, Stanley Kubrick is one of the most famous directors of all time. Mm-hmm. But on a scale, it's like you could either you could read the book and then watch the movie. I feel like people don't have that much disagreements with it because The Shining as a movie is just so it's like a it's like a spectacle watching the entire thing. Yeah, yeah, front to front to back, it's just so good. And I know, yeah, a few things that I read um, that Stephen King said, he didn't like Jack Nicholson as a role just because he thought that because Jack Nicholson just starred in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest where he was, you know, a little a little off the, the path in that movie. He thought that people would realize right away that he was going to be playing, you know, another crazy character for lack of better words um so that was one complaint he had which like sure um it's your baby so to speak so you want the perfect people to play your characters but at the same time like stanley cooper or jack nicholson is amazing such a good actor one of the greatest of all time so 
I don't think that, you know, that really had a negative impact. Plus, like, there are trailers for movies. Like, you're going to kind of, you know, figure out the figure out the synopsis pretty soon on. So, you know, I don't think that that ruined the movie in any way. Um, but, yeah, it's such a good movie. And it had no nominations. Literally not nominated for anything. I'm pretty sure Shelley Duvall got nominated for a Razzie. You know, like, the, the worst awards type of thing um which is insane because now the shining is such an iconic movie that it's crazy to think you know when it came out people were like okay oh yeah and there's like crazy conspiracy theories tied to it and i back on the actor i believe he wanted someone like john voight or dustin hoffman to play jack torrance and Looking no. back on it now, what, 30 years later, or 40 years later, when it originally came out in theaters, like I, I mean, Jack Nicholson's been, like I said, Cuckoo's Nest, there's Terms of Endearment, there's The Departed. There's so many movies that he's been in where he's been, you know, a top of his class in terms of being an actor, but I know him best as being Jack Torrance. Yeah. And I know Shelley Duvall best for being Wendy Torrance because, like you said with Carrie, you got to add that little bit of weird aspect to, to your character to Mm-hmm. in a Stephen King film, and she nails it in yeah. this movie. And there's also, you know, she, the the filming sessions were so rigorous, and Stanley Kubrick is such a particular director with the way he shoots and the way he uh, films things and how he wants his actors to, to, to portray scenes. And, mm. man, just, like, watching... Um, like the scene where my my favorite scenes are the one where Jack goes into the bar and he starts mm-hmm. talking to Lloyd and he gets his first drink. That's when you really know he's starting to go a little cuckoo in his head. Yeah. And the scene where he's walking up the steps and he's just like, "Give me the bat, Wendy. Give me the bat." Yeah. I don't I'm not, I don't know why I sounded like Trump there. Give me the bat. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, "Give me the bat, Wendy." And she's like, "Stay away from me." No. Yeah. And she's just flailing the bat around, and that scene just like personifies everything that i love about that movie it's so good and then just all the visuals are amazing like yeah everyone can relate to the shining and the elevator with the blood just flying down and mm. the two twins standing in the hallway and danny just tricycling around the hotel oh it's so good yeah it's it's just like the definition of iconic like every almost every scene you know even if you haven't seen the movie i'm sure you could you know describe a scene or a character or anything about it and you know i'm glad that it's still stayed as famous um because it's amazing and it's such a slow burn right like it's not scary but it is also like the tension starts in the beginning and then it comes fully on at the end and it does a really great job of the pacing and it's a kind of a longer movie too. So I think it has a hold of the pacing really well the whole time. Yeah. And I get watched the, the documentaries on it. It's, it's such a fascinating story with that movie. Uh, and then watch the movie as well. Watch the movie, then the documentary <laughs> and then Dr. Sleep. Then, then read the book maybe. <laughs> yeah. And then watch the movie again because the movie is so good. Uh, mm. But moving on here into the rest of the adaptations, uh, misery, we could spend a lot of time talking about Misery, but Misery is the one that finally got a Stephen King adaptation, an actual Academy Award. Uh, it was directed yeah. by Rob Reiner and it starred Kathy Bates and James Caan. People will probably know Kathy Bates more now from American Horror Story because she's been in a bunch of seasons. And yeah. I feel like people would just default to being like, oh, James Caan, that's the dad from Elf, I realize. 
um, but Kathy Bates yeah, won the, the Best Actress Academy Award for this movie. And this movie is disturbing. This movie is disturbing. Yeah, she carries that movie. Like, I can't imagine any other actress doing a better job. She's so great at it. And um, I actually watched this movie this Halloween season. Um, I hadn't seen it for a few years. And it holds up. It's so crazy because she's such a great actress. She really, really is. And uh, we'll get to it in a little bit. But they kind of told her, uh, Annie Wilkes, her character, her origin story in the second season of Castle Rock. But there needs to be more. Like, I don't want, like, a full-fledged movie because then I feel like it would just be a money grab. But I, like, want her story more. Um, so it's a shame that, you know, Castle Rock was canceled, even though it's an anthology series anyway. But... Uh, I like the direction they were going there. Like, Annie Wilkes is such a complicated character, and she's iconic as well. So, great movie. Yeah. Speaking of remakes, like, I'm assuming this movie will be eventually be remade down Probably, the line. Probably, yeah. I would love to see Tony Collette play the lead. I feel like that's, <laughs> that like, I feel like that's the one where, like, okay, cool. Like, we can all kind of agree on this. Kathy Bates is amazing. Let's, let's <laughs> move on. Let's, let's do a remake, and let's put Tony Collette in the lead. I'm down for that. Um, but yeah, Misery 1990, watch it. It's disturbing. There's one of the most gross horror scenes in history in that movie. Um, but this movie, the next one on the list that we're talking about is, I think many agree is just like, this is the best movie of all time. Obviously there's like Citizen Kane and stuff like that, but a lot of people have, this as like the best movie they've ever seen, which is 1994's The Shawshank Redemption based on the novella Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption, uh, directed by Frank Darabont, who will be mentioned a couple more times during this episode. Yeah. Uh, but it stars Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman, seven Academy Award noms. It didn't win Best Picture that year, though, which is crazy to think about because I believe it's still the number one on IMDb's Top 250. Yeah, it is. I know that year, the 95 uh, Academy Awards for the 94 year, that was such high competition. So Forrest Gump won, but then also Pulp, Pulp Fiction was nominated that year. So, 94 was a good year. It was also the year I was born. So, you know, just just good year overall. But this movie, yeah, it's it's recognized as, you know, the best movie of all time by many, many people. And it's so crazy that, you know, we're listing so many good adaptations of Stephen King. And then we're like, oh, yeah, Shawshank Redemption, like another just incredible movie. It's crazy. And this is one that, you know, it's not really horror. So I think that's why it's very popular because it appeals to all different people, all different ages. Um, and it, it's a fantastic movie. Absolutely. Go watch it if you haven't. I mean, I don't even want to like, like, I don't want to say anything about the movie because if you <laughs> haven't seen it, you need to watch it. Like Natalie said, one of the greatest, if not the greatest movie of all time. Um, it's on number one on the IMD imdb top 250 so yeah a lot of of people use imdb for their movie stuff so if that if that needs to tell you anything about the movie go watch it um next on the list five years later another darabont directed film the green mile which starred tom hanks who funnily enough beat out shawshank redemption when he was forrest gump uh and michael (laughs) clark duncan uh the late great michael clark duncan unfortunately passed away uh that movie also got four uh academy award noms also lost Best Picture uh, to American Beauty, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, um, me too. The movie's amazing. Um, but uh, The Green Mile, uh, actually based on the novel of the same name. And it's 
more of a fantasy drama as well. It's mm-hmm. not strict horror. Uh, yeah. But, you know, there are parts of it that'll, like, start to get under your skin a little bit. It's uh, another one on just the list of great adaptations. Yeah, it's crazy. I have a hot take. So it might not be that hot of a take, but I think Shawshank and Green Mile are probably, you know, the most, I wouldn't say popular, but maybe the most favored Stephen King adaptations by just everyone. Like mainstream. Like mainstream, Yeah. yeah. And I think it's just because it's they're not horror. Like, they're both fantastic movies, and they're on the top of my list. But, like, The Shining is, I think, better. But because it's horror, so there's a huge population that won't watch that. I don't think this is a hot take. I think it's kind of obvious, but it kind of just, like, came to me as we were talking. Um, because it's basically just, like, Stephen King is an amazing storyteller. And if you adapt it right, you know, it's going to be really successful. But since it's horror, not everyone will watch it. Agreed. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Well, that's how most of our hot takes start anyway, like, outside of the podcast, right? <laughs> we'll just be like, yo, I got a great hot take. And then you'll, like, be halfway through it, and you're like, wait, no, this is just, like, common sense. And yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, let me think of another hot take. And then you try again, and you're like, nah, no, one more time. Uh, but... Yeah, Green Mile, also great. Uh, a lot of supernatural elements to it. Um, but, you know, you mentioned that, right? Talking about the mainstream movies with Shawshank and, and Green Mile. Mm-hmm. The next on our list, because there are a couple years where the adaptations fall flat. There's yeah. stuff like Dreamcatcher, which I wasn't that big of a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, but this next one, which we've talked about already on the podcast, I'm, I'm sure with the mainstream and, and how much we've talked about it, uh, you could guess what it is, which is It Chapter 1, which mm-hmm. was originally just branded as It, you know, but a lot of people assumed it was going to be part one of a two-part movie uh, yeah. release. And this movie, straight horror, arguably, like, for a lot of people, the scariest Stephen King character because he's a clown yeah. and clowns are terrifying to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie broke that mainstream gap where it was able to just get people's attention get people really excited for it and yeah. they all went to go see it because it's the fifth highest grossing r-rated movie of all time the movie is scary not a lot not a lot of movies scare natalie so she wasn't like completely terrified by this just as a psa for everybody out there <laughs> um so she wasn't like covering her eyes at all i've never seen her actually cover her eyes for a horror movie so um yeah but for a lot of people this movie is scary uh, directed by andy machete which starred bill skarsgård as the lead character Pennywise, the dancing clown. And <laughs> I think part of what was able to drive this movie into the mainstream, outside of the fact that there were creepy clowns appearing on the side of highways and stuff like that, <laughs> was the the cast of kids that they assembled to be the Losers Club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Especially like um, Finn Wolfhard coming off Stranger Things. You know, everyone's a big fan of his. Um and they did a really great job casting the kids, and a lot of them are, or all of them are doing other big shows and movies. So, you know, they picked them right. And yeah, this movie did so well, and I did like it a lot. I think it's kind of the thing we've definitely touched upon this, but the miniseries was popular when it came out, but it wasn't, you know, scary, scary. So this was such a good modern way of telling it, and with the CGI and everything, they made it, you know, really scary and. Still, though, I know so many people that if I say this movie is good, they'll say I'm never watching that because it's scary. Because people are scared of clowns. 
So I think, you know, it was a huge blockbuster, though, and a lot of people did go see it, but it's still, you know, that pocket of people that won't watch horror movies, which is okay. I understand it. <laughs> yeah, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably not in that pocket group. People. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there are still things that do scare people, and, you know, I was like going to see it and i was with my best friend nick and i was like let's go i'm ready let's do this and like there's just that voice in the back of my head that was like this movie is gonna probably scare the shit out of you you should probably mm-hmm. like i don't know at least you know do the eye peeking thing once or twice and i like i just tried to sit through it not do anything like that and there aren't a lot of like crazy jump scares in it there's a couple ones but by like kind of like halfway to two-thirds away through the movie you kind of just like relax and just enjoy what's going on because i think the scene that everybody's seen the scene of him dancing in the burning clown house the circus house yeah, yeah, yeah. with the music attached to it that was memed to all the extents <laughs> during this movie's like theatrical release and yeah. like you just have to enjoy Skarsgård's portrayal of pennywise because it's creepy, it's terrifying, he can do weird things with his eyes, and as we've said, you need to have a little bit of weird in you to be able to <laughs> succeed in a Stephen King movie. So, yeah, the Chapter 2 also did well at the box office. Not one of our favorites, but the cast that they assembled to play the adult versions of the Losers Club was, again, like outstanding. Uh, yeah. You had James McAvoy, who played older... Uh, Older Bill Dembro, you had uh, Jessica Chastain, who's fantastic. Yeah, she's so great. They they did a the, the casting there was great. The plot points yeah. just don't hit uh, in the second film for both of us, which is unfortunate. But altogether, it's a great six hour experience for you to sit through. <laughs> yeah, I agree, and I think it is just such a special story. You know, just. Thank you, Stephen King, because it is uh, my favorite book of his. And out of, so I haven't read every single book, but out of the ones that I have and out of the movies that I've watched of adaptations and shows, you know, this is the one that is horror and has the most heart, I think. Like, there's so many emotional moments. Reading the book, I've cried multiple times. Like, and most people, like, there's a stigma around horror, right? It's going to be a stupid, like, sexy, naked people and a slasher. And it's like, no. Stephen King's stories are not like that. And I think that's why he's so popular. Agreed. And then the last one on our list, one of your favorites, unfortunately, <laughs> no longer around, yeah. is the TV anthology series known as Castle Rock. Yeah, this one, I stand this one. I really love this show. So um, it ran from 2018 to 2019. There are two seasons. And this one isn't an adaptation of Stephen King's stories, but it's inspired by his stories and a lot of them so the first one was inspired by multiple books and short stories and it starred bill skarsgård jane levy sissy spacex so you know some legendary people right there uh, modern legends and real legends um so the first series this first season was good the second season i really really liked too because it was an origin uh, story for annie wilkes as i mentioned from misery and lizzie kaplan played her who i'm a big fan of um and yeah, it was a Hulu original and got canceled. So I'm sad. R.I.P. Castle Rock. Yeah, people yeah. people will know Lizzie Kaplan from probably Mean Girls the most. I, I was going to say Mean Girls. <laughs> right. Um, she's also in Cloverfield. She plays Marlena in Cloverfield, who 
uh, she explodes pretty much. <laughs> she, she doesn't make it very far into the film, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I've never watched Castle Rock. I'll probably have, like now that it's done, I could probably go back and just watch the both season to be like, well, that really sucks that it's no longer around because that was really good. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, it was an anthology, so it's not like you're attached to the characters. It's not like I was like, oh, I can't wait for this character or this storyline in the next season. It was kind of just like a cool idea. Um, so before we continue on our amazing and not so amazing adaptations, we're going to take our second and final break. All right. And we're back. So getting to the end ish of our show here. So we just go through very quickly. Some of our guilty pleasures I had, like, I'm thinking like guilty pleasures slash just like underdogs underrated because some of them are like, okay, I can see someone calling it bad, but it's, actually a very entertaining and enjoyable experience and isn't that all we can ask for sometimes sometimes yeah (laughs) (laughs) sometimes so i had to write down cujo 1983 of course it's kind of a silly story i read the book too and i didn't think the book was scary but of course it was well written um but i really like cujo because of the nostalgic factor i used to watch this on amc all the time growing up and i watched it again this year you know, it's not the best movie in the world, but you get the little butterflies. I'm thinking about growing up my childhood, and that's why I like that movie. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Cujo is one that I always remember being on AMC as well, especially during yeah. like, Fear Fest in October. Yeah. And I remember watching, I was like, this movie doesn't seem that scary. Because, like, yeah. one thing, I don't know if I mentioned on the podcast before, you know very well, uh, Chucky from Child's Play that's the one little little guy i'm not gonna use any bad words to describe him <laughs> i i hate that guy and when i was a kid when he would pop up on commercials for fear fest and i'd have to be like i'm out of here i, I can't but I, I would watch cujo and i'd be like this movie isn't so scary and then the dog cujo himself would actually get going and i'd be like okay wait a second this is too much for me i gotta go i gotta change the channel nickelodeon cartoon network whatever it was on um <laughs> But that movie, that movie's fun. It's a good time. The next one, and this one also is a huge one of your favorites, Children of the Corn. We talked about it two weeks ago yeah. on the streaming episode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do love this movie. I would recommend it. Like, it's a fun watch. I think the only thing it really suffers from is just age. Like, it doesn't really hold up, like, the way it was made and everything, um, 1984. Uh, but it's a good movie. I enjoy it. And, again, it's one that I watch, you know, in middle school, so... It was, it was a classic around the Zamora households for me and only me because my parents hate horror movies, but yeah, good memories. Good memories on that one. <laughs> uh, the 1989 Pet Cemetery, also a fun one. Book is great. Yeah. Book is really good. Um, yeah, the book is so good. And this, the 89 adaptation, the original, is a good watch. It's fun. It's not the one we'll talk about in a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the next two you have here... I would agree, are probably my top two in terms of guilty pleasure ones, which are yeah. The Mist, which we talked about, the 2007 one, also directed by Frank Darabont, which basically uh, it stars Thomas Jane, and he lives in this small town, and a mysterious mist rolls in, and this entire town pretty much gets trapped in a supermarket where they have to fend for their lives, not sure of what's going on in the mist, and it turns out there are some creepy bugs and monsters and basically your worst nightmares are living in the mist and this movie has one of the most 
unfortunate and sad endings that just yeah. bums you out. You're just like, ah, oh, man, that's just, that sucks. It's such a good time watching that movie. It was also yeah. a, also made its way as like a television remake, I believe. Um, yeah, and I started to watch it, and I think I only watched one episode. Yeah, I didn't make it so. all the way through it. <laughs> like, I've seen the original. I was like, that's all I need. It was on Spike, and I don't remember the last time I watched <laughs> yes. anything on Spike. I, I think that was the reason I couldn't keep watching it, because I had to watch it, like, online or something, and it, it basically it wasn't convenient. So, sorry to the miss. <laughs> what's, um, what's that show on Spike they used to do? A Thousand Ways to Die? Oh God! Oh yeah. man, that mo- yeah. I would just binge that that show for like three hours a night, and then it'd be like two a.m. in the morning, and I'd, on a weekend I'd be like, "Okay, cool, I can't sleep now because I'm just my mind is racing about <laughs> all the ways to die, and they're all just ridiculous and crazy." Um, but another one we already kind of mentioned already in the beginning of the show is fourteen oh eight, which is something uh, a movie I would say that probably a lot of people haven't seen, but it's a movie that you should just sit down and watch because it's. It's a good time. It stars John Cusack, also has Sam Jackson in it. Mm-hmm. And basically the premise of it is John Cusack's uh, a writer and he's going to investigate a haunted hotel room. And that's all you need to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a guilty pleasure of mine. Like I said, if it's on TV, I'll watch it. You know, it's entertaining. And I like John Cusack. I like Samuel L. Jackson. So power duo that you didn't know you needed. <laughs> Exactly. Like, you're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Sam Jackson, John Cusack, and Stephen King. Okay, yeah. I'll give this one a try. It's it's fun. One of my friends in high school, I remember when this movie came out, he was like, I gotta go see this movie. I'm so excited for it. And I didn't want to go see it because I was a little chicken back then. And he walked out of the theater and he was like, that movie was amazing. It was so scary. And like, years later watching it, I'm like, that movie's not that scary. No. But it's fun. It's a good time. It'll... It won't confuse you. The movie's not going to, like, <laughs> blow you away with, like, mind-twisting, disturbing no. stuff. But if it's on TV or streaming somewhere, take some time, put it on. Yeah, I agree. Um, so now getting into, like, bad adaptations. So when I was, you know, thinking of this episode, I was like, all right, we should probably include, you know, ones that aren't good. And I was like, there aren't that many because... Because the ones that are, you know, silly and kind of dumb, I think it's because they're older, you know, ones from the 80s and early 90s that might have not been that good. Um, You mentioned Dreamcatcher. There's also like Thinner. I didn't add these those in there just because, you know, I think it has to do with when it was made. Um, So we got to give it the benefit of the doubt. So the two that I have listed here are newer ones um, because no excuses. It's uh, the 2000s, uh, 2010s. You can do better. So The Dark Tower, 2017. I did not watch this movie, did you? No, I haven't. And it, I've solely stayed away from it because of what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to see it. It has Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Like, duh. All why right, all right, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't anyone see it? But I remember I was like, all right, I'm going to go watch this movie. And then the reviews were so bad that I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. And usually, like, if a movie is badly reviewed and I still want to watch it, I'll watch it. But I missed it in theaters for that reason, just never rented it. Um, it, The reviews were terrible. It has a 16% Rotten Tomatoes. And I thought it was hilarious that their critics' consensus 
It just says, go then. There are other Stephen King adaptations than these. Basically, don't watch this-ish. Um, so that's disappointing. Yeah. I mean, Idris Elba plays uh, Roland Deschain, who's supposed to be the last of the gunslingers, and McConaughey's the big bad in it. And if I remember correctly in the trailer, there are, like, odes. Because the Dark Tower is supposed to be this, like, multiverse in the Stephen King. Yeah. In the Stephen King. And there are multiple books. Right. And, and the Stephen King universe, essentially. And I remember in the trailer there was... Uh, there was hints at like Pennywise and, and Derry Maine, I believe, in it in the trailer as well. Unless I'm mistaking it for Castle Rock trailer, which I might be, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was the Dark the Dark Tower. And I was like, like riding off the the high of being excited for it and stuff like that. I was like, yeah, Dark Tower. Never read the books, but McConaughey and Elba, you know, all right, all right, all right. And the guy <laughs> who should eventually be playing James Bond, I'm down. Um, right. <laughs> but I just never got around to it. And then whenever I was interested in watching it i just remember being like wait this movie got like really really bad reviews i should avoid it and that's the same take segue that i should have done with this next movie which is the 2019 pet cemetery and this movie is just oh man it's awful we've talked about it already this movie stinks yeah so much potential like i love the original and i know that it's goofy and not great so this was like all right an updated version it could have been the two, 2017 it that it was to the original but no this movie is just so bad and i would not recommend it to anyone no no way yeah and basically the premise of pet cemetery is there's a family the creeds in the 2019 one jason clark plays the, the lead lewis uh, and his wife rachel who's played by amy simitz uh and they have a cat and a daughter and they move to a house and there's a creepy neighbor next door named Judd Crandall, who's played by John Lithgow in the 2019 one. And I was like, yo, that's a great pick to play Judd. I love that casting. And I also like Jason Clark, so I'm down. And yeah. basically, they moved into this house. There's a pet cemetery in the back, and there's some supernatural horror stuff that goes on. And then the movie just goes to complete poop. And that's all you need to know, because that movie stinks. It's just, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I don't really see any redeeming factors other than the source material and the story, which if you want to see that, just read the book because the book's amazing or just watch the movie, the original movie. It's fun. Yeah. And a quick fun fact about it too, which leads me to a, a take, a hot take potentially that I have, um, <laughs> okay. is Andy Muschietti had originally said that he wanted to adapt yeah. Pet Cemetery with his uh, sister, I believe. Uh, yeah, Barbara. Barbara, yeah. And then eventually it landed to Lorenzo Di Bonaventura, who produced it, and it was directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis uh, Widmeyer. I think this movie, Hot Take, will get remade in the next 10 years again. Probably. I remember I was so hyped for the remake because it was like, I feel like, yeah, it was like pe other people were attached to it. It was, you know, announced for a long time. I remember always checking the IMDb page for probably years just being like any new updates on this and what came out was just so bad but i mean yeah i could see it being remade again soon 10 years i don't know but maybe there's no hollywood has no remorse for anything like this i i, I fully believe because there are some things about it that aren't terrible like book fans especially my girlfriend who I, when we walked out of the theater was like that movie stunk yeah. Because the there are things that they do different in the movie in this yeah. version to the book, but yeah. the 
uh, Jason Clark is great. Uh, the daughter is great. Um, and there are some like there are some tones in it. Some some of the cinematography is good. Like I said, Judd Crandall is good. Uh, John Lithgow, but mm-hmm. it just it's just paced horribly in the movie. Yeah. And people hated yeah. the ending. So. Yeah. There's that. Yeah. Avoid this one. It's on Amazon Prime. Put that on the don't watch list. <laughs> okay, let's get into as we close up adaptations that are coming up. They're so I only listed a, like a handful of them because there are so many that have been announced and then there's just no progress on it. So either they're going to be scrapped or who knows, but the newest one coming up, it's coming up this month, The Stand on CBS All Access. It starts on December 17th, and it will come out weekly. Um, has a stacked cast. Alexander Skarsgård, who we both love, of course. Will be Goldberg, Amber Heard, James Marsden, Ezra Miller, Matt Wolf. There's a lot of really great actors in this uh, show. And I'm actually reading the book right now. Um, it is extremely long, over 1,400 pages, so wish me luck. But... I'm really excited for this show. Um, CBS All Access, you know, would have wa- rather been on HBO or FX, but um, I'm excited. I'll take it. All Access is a pain in my butt, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> because, you know, my parents, they got a direct TV subscription uh, account. So I was like, okay, cool. I can watch TV online. CBS All Access and CBS is the one channel that does not allow you to link your direct tv account to and that's for some well, business I'm... deal with at&t or something like that so i got a bone to pick with cbs all access <laughs> cbs you're watching you're probably not watching but screw you um yeah i haven't done much research on the stand but yeah alexander skarsgård eric northman playing the big bad randall flag yeah i might give it a shot i don't want to get my money to cbs all access but i might give the show a <laughs> shot yeah yeah the cast is really great i think if it didn't have that stacked cast um i mean it didn't come out yet so who knows who's gonna watch it but i think you know that'll attract people way more especially because cbs all access i don't think it's that popular of a platform especially like compared to you know amazon prime netflix all of those um so we'll see. I'm excited for it. Um, another one that's exciting is Scott Derrickson, um, who directed Sinister. Um, he's been attached to an adaptation of The Breathing Method since 2012, which is a little disappointing because, you know, that was years ago. But in 2019, he said that he would be making a horror movie after he's done with Doctor Strange 2, and he is no longer doing Doctor Strange 2. So let's go. Let's do this. Um, I want him to do a Stephen King adaptation agreed he i was really excited for dr strange too when i saw his name attached to it because i love the original sinister is so good yes and there were a lot of leaks about this movie having horror elements to it and then there was a lot of you know pushback from the the big mcu fan base being like well you know we probably shouldn't do a strict horror movie in the mcu because it's the mcu and eventually he wasn't attached to it anymore and now sam raimi is is working on it Who's also known for his horror work. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I was really excited for that. But yeah, Scott Derrickson, Stephen King, that's a match I want to see. Uh, the next one, Lynn Ramsey's directing an adaptation of The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon. Uh, and Ramsey previously directed a movie which you love, which is We Need to Talk About Kevin, and You Were Never Really Here. Uh, I haven't seen both of those. I know you love We Need to Talk About Kevin. It was on mm-hmm. your must-watch streaming movies right now. Um and then Mike Flanagan, who everyone knows, Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of, of Bly Manor, uh, did the the sequel to The Shining, Doctor Sleep, with Ewan McGregor. Mm-hmm. And he's now 
producing and potentially directing an adaptation of Revival, which is said that he said it'll be bleak and mean. So <laughs> I don't know much about Revival, but I know a lot yeah. about Mike Flanagan, and I think his hype is going off a cliff. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, uh, after Bly Manor, I need a little Mike Flanagan break. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And we'll see, you know, if he's directing it, I think that it will get a lot more viewership and it'll get a lot more hype. Um, but I mean, writing is good as well, but it's the type of thing, you know, Jordan Peele is producing and they try to like, they put his first name everywhere, even if he didn't write or direct something. If he produced it, they call it a Jordan uh, Peele film. So it could end up being something like this, like that. But I think if he actually does direct it, you know, it'll get the good Die Hard Mike Flanagan or Die Hard horror fans on board. So we'll see. It could go either direction. Agreed. And then the last three here, uh, a TV adaptation of Joyland is being uh, put on Freeform. It was announced in 2018. Yes. And Freeform is, is Freeform the, the spiritual ABC successor to? Family. A, yeah. Okay, cool. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I had to throw that one out there because I did a double take. I was like, freeform. So this is going to be like a Pretty Little Liars show or something. Like, it's going to be geared to teens. It has to be, um, I would assume. Yeah. So, the, interesting. The Riverdale of Stephen King adaptations. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the last two on HBO Max, um, there's going to be a, a – HBO Max is developing an adaptation of Throttle, which was written by King and his son Joe Hill, uh, Lee Dana Jackson – uh, is going to write the screenplay, and the director has not been announced yet. But this next one, which we can spend the rest of the show talking about real quickly, uh, there's going to be a TV spinoff of The Shining called Overlook, and it's in development currently at HBO Max. Now, I think The Shining is the one Stephen King movie I do not want remade in any way, shape, or form. But a spinoff, I think, diving deeper into the Overlook Hotel, because the hotel is a character. Yeah. The Overlook is a I character. Agree. And I would love, like, more backstory on the hotel itself. I just don't want any particular remake of The Shining. I agree. I agree. I want to see everything that happened at the Overlook before Jack and the family get there. Uh, that would be wild. Also, I think HBO Max is the perfect home. Um, you know, we, we both respect HBO, and HBO Max already has some good originals up its sleeve, even though it just uh, premiered. So I think HBO Max is the perfect home for it. I'm just, you know, of course I'm worried because it could go badly, but I'm optimistic about it. I hope that HBO Max, I think now because it's new, they're just making so many, so many new shows. But hopefully by the time um, this new spinoff comes out, uh, it's, you know, marketed well and it's taken care of well enough because it's riding on so much. So we'll yeah. see. People might be a little worried the fact that J.J. Abrams is attached to it. Uh, or Bad Robot is attached to it. Yeah, uh, they'll be, producing. They'll be producing it. And, you know, people are torn on J.J. Abrams. Some people love J.J. Abrams. Some people don't like J.J. Abrams. But I think there are some J.J. Abrams films, both produced and directed, that a lot of people can respect. Yeah. Like Cloverfield, like Lost, which is God. Natalie remembers when I finished Lost for the first time, like, before COVID happened. I walked in. I was yeah. a wreck the next day. <laughs> that show hit me on so many levels. Um, Such a good show. So good. And there's, like, the the Star Trek remake that came out with Chris Pine. I love that one. I'm not a big yeah. Trekkie to begin with, but that movie is great. Yeah, um, I didn't mind it. So, yeah. Just be very careful with this. From, exactly. Speaking for Natalie and myself, be very careful <laughs> with The Shining. 
<laughs> yes, I agree. It needs to be delicate. Of course, it's so funny because obviously that's what every fan base of anything feels like. So that's why whenever there's a remake, you know, so many people are angry about it. But the world's got to keep going. The money's got to be made. So <laughs> I don't blame them for trying. Agreed. All right. So that will wrap up our show today. Um, make sure you leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or tweet at us. My Twitter is at Natalie Zamora with two A's at the end. Max is at Odd Slice. Um, tweet at us, ask us questions, give us recommendations for our next uh, episode. Our next one on Friday will be a review of Freaky. We promise you that. Um, Should we promise? We might get bamboozled. I think we can promise. <laughs> I think I think we can promise, and if it, if it doesn't come out, it's supposed to come out, um, you know, today. So if it somehow is not out, then you can yell at us. I think. No, no, wait, we'll yell at us. Yell at Blumhouse. Yell at <laughs> True. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.